Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and with us today is Victoria Jun. How's it going, Victoria? Going great. Um, thank you so much for inviting me uh, to the podcast. So, um, hi everybody, I'm uh, Victoria Jun, and um, I also go by uh, Tori. Uh, I am a legal fellow by day, but I am also an artist um, and a, um, and as an illustrator and a comic artist. Um, I generally post uh, my stuff at uh, Hi Miss Victoria on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check out my works there. Awesome, cool. Yeah, that's I. I really like your artwork a ton. Like, um, I like that your kind of pin tweet on Twitter has like access to several different things that you're kind of working on. But your art style is so uh, unique and like eye catching. And as soon as I like looked you up, I was like, holy cow, this would be. <laughs> It, that would, what a cool guest, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I know you first found me off of the, um, the Shonen Flop podcast. Um, the guys running Shonen Flop, but one of them is one of my uh, friends in real life. So um, he was saying, hey, Tori, I'm going to be starting a podcast about um, these uh, Shonen manga that got canceled from Shonen Jump. And you do comics, like, do you want to read one, be on a podcast, like, talk about this with us? So um, that's how it happened. Very cool. Was that your first time being on a podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I Yeah, I really like that show. Um, I'm a fan of shonen works in general. Like, I think it's a fun little genre, and I love the way that they have set up their podcast to mm-hmm. kind of highlight the ones that didn't quite make it. I think you can learn a ton from, like, projects that didn't take off but you know studying the hits is also obviously very worthwhile but sometimes it takes longer to learn a lesson from something where everything goes smoothly it's pretty easy to learn a lesson from a huge failure in other words Uh, oh yeah yeah um it's definitely uh important to try to pick up whatever lessons you can from just really anywhere um you know people do all sorts of like master studies all the time people aspire to like uh, certain things um, but then, uh, when you study something that has not been as successful, um, then you can just kind of learn from it, like, why did it fail and what you can do to, um, kind of avoid the pitfalls that they did. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're going to be doing an episode with the guys from Shonen Flop soon. Like we are, we're in talks for it, but, um, just hasn't happened yet, but I'm pretty stoked about having them on it. Their dynamic is really fun and like, yeah, yeah, they get cool guests. And I don't know, I love the amount of like shout outs they do in every episode. Like, I think it's really, uh, cool how they're kind of pointing out that this is not just something that's just the two of them doing it. Like there's a lot of other people involved kind of helping to support the show and helping it to keep going and working on art and all the different guests that they have. It's just really sweet that it's such a community focused episode um, or, or series, you know, even though it's relatively new as far as podcasts go, it's like they already have a pretty solid community behind them, which is so cool. Yeah, for sure. When I first saw your artwork, like I said, yeah, so you were a guest on that show. I looked you up and I'm like, holy crap, this artwork is so cool. Um, And I think part of what made it stand out so much is it kind of reminded me of Final Fantasy and like uh, Yoshitaka Amano's artwork kind of, where it's a lot of 
you know, flat white backgrounds with like really colorful kind of um, gradients, uh, really interesting colors in the foreground with like sharp silhouettes in a way and like very um, stylized, but also has kind of like maybe an influence of more classical art, like more like almost medieval feeling in certain like choices of colors and um, certain techniques. But I don't know, your artwork is so very unique and it, it reminded me of certain parts of of what Amano has done for the Final Fantasy series. Um, and that's my way, I guess, of, of segueing slash talking about the, the connection that you have with Final Fantasy. Yeah, for sure. So first of all, thank you so much for the high praise. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so it's like, like as you say, um, I took a lot of influence from um, Final Fantasy. Um, and there's definitely certain pieces of uh, my portfolio that, you know, reference very easily the, um, the Final Fantasy uh, logos. And, um, you know, I've played, I think my first, yeah, my first Final Fantasy was uh, Final Fantasy X. And, and I played it when I was, um, when I was eight years old. Um, and then um, it's also been actually a pretty big uh, part of my uh, family's life, actually. Wow. Um, because my, my mom also took interest in uh, video games um, at some point. Um, she, um, she was a housewife, so she had a lot of um, free time on her hands to explore some of these things. Um, so what would happen is uh, when I was, uh, when I was little, uh, we each had our different, um, save file of Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy twelve, thirteen, um, and we pretty much proceeded at our own pace, but either way we got to experience a lot of this, um, together. Wow. Um, Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so cool that you have like kind of a deeper connection other than it's just a thing I was into, but like, man, that's great. What a, what a cool mom. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and then, um, I think that experience pretty much, um, ended around like 13. And then after that, she just kind of like, uh, you know, had other interests. I okay. So, um, I got into 14 relatively late, um, in its, um, general like life cycle. Um, so basically, uh, with, um, 14, um, as you, as you may know, um, it initially came out with the 1.0 version, which was a catastrophic failure. Um, it could have completely bankrupted Square Enix, um, and then eventually they switched um, directors and they came out with um, 2.0, A Realm Reborn. Um, since then, it has been very successful with um, the Realm Reborn um, base game and then each subsequent uh, expansion of uh, Heavensward 3.0, Stormblood 4.0, and Shadowbringer. Um, and I started playing when 4.4 uh, was out. Um so uh, basically, I've had not as much time for mm. me to really experience um, all of um, the game as it was being updated. Uh, I was basically playing a lot of catching up. Um, but basically, uh, I just kind of went on mm. with my own Final Fantasy IV uh, journey with just like exploring this and really falling in love with the universe and such. Um, and it's actually kind of interesting because 14 is described very often as a theme park of the Final Fantasy series generally. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, for sure. And, and now we're making a theme park out of 14, like an actual physical theme park. Right. Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy how much of a... This is, I don't know if we explicitly said it, it's a massively multiplayer online game. Um, 
and there's usually some kind of connection between like theme parks and MMOs in my experience, like kind of the hub world and the way it's set up. It's almost like Disneyland or something. There's diff- different lands and different mm-hmm. areas that kind of serve more specific themes. Um, so you can kind of travel a diverse amount of uh, backgrounds and stuff and experience different cultures, even though it's all within a relatively small area. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of of these like MMOs being used as inspiration for theme parks of the future, where you get to kind of play a role. You're not just a theme park guest, but you, you get to, you know, be an adventurer or, or whatever, um, be a warrior of light or a warrior of darkness. You get to kind of pick up a role and participate and, and leave your, you know, your mundane self behind and become like this more exciting, like, uh, you know, RPG type character and, have more of an interactive experience than just a passive experience of riding on some roller coasters. So yeah, I am excited to see kind of where this goes. Um, I personally haven't played Final Fantasy XIV, but I've been following along. You know, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> the first game came out what, almost 11 years ago now, which yeah. is crazy, like the original version. Um, but just seeing like, you know, initial reviews for that come out. And then I thought it was a really cool, like bold move for them to say, you know what, this thing we released is not good. We're going to go ahead and like redo all of it basically. Like, the things that were initially popular or like well-received were just pretty much the graphics and the music, which Final Fantasy has always been known for that. But I guess the gameplay and the the display and like layout and a lot of things weren't really pleasing to fans. So they were like, they owned up to it and were like, hey, we're going to just go and change all this stuff. Like, I thought that was such a cool like move for them. And now it's gone on to become, you know, I've seen it mentioned several different places online as like the best MMO right now, um, which I think is pretty phenomenal you don't hear about companies owning up to their mistakes and correcting them so dramatically very often you know it's almost like the uh the sonic thing like for yeah, the movie yeah. where they're like the, the fans were like this this is not good and they're like uh yeah you're right uh-huh. we'll <laughs> it's like wow i wasn't expecting that that's yeah cool. um so this is uh information off of their fifth anniversary graphic uh which you know is obviously outdated by now um but at the time, um, there were 14 million players. At this point, I'm sure with the release of Shadowbringers, um, that's I, that, as I understand, has brought in even more players. Um, and um, it's definitely um, it definitely hits different uh, with um, this MMO um, because I have also played um, different MMOs um, aside from Final Fantasy XIV. And from what I kind of see is a lot of... Um, Game companies, they just kind of see like, oh, like, you know, after the initial success, um, things go wrong one way or another. Maybe it becomes like, you know, too pay to uh, pay to win or something goes wrong with the graphics or the gameplay is no longer fun or something. And what they seem to try to do is just try to milk as much money as they can possibly can before they inevitably have to end the service. So it is very refreshing to definitely see like, you know, a um community of staff like really listening to their players um and i'm Mm. not i'm not just like talking about how um you know what happened with 1.0 to 2.0 but also with just um uh there's a lot of player suggestions um that are being um heard even if the solutions are not coming out um immediately down the line um and even if they don't decide to really solve that problem, they address why they are making the decisions that they do. Um, so the transparency and um, the kind of like perceived like closeness is um, definitely noted. Um, yeah. Wow. That feels like such a modern thing, like such a, I don't know, like late 20 teens thing to uh, to kind of do where you have like transparency and you um, do a lot of like testing with 
with your players. Like it's things I feel like um, I've heard similar stuff from like a lot of esports, for example, like are very like interactive with fans and like take a lot of feedback and stuff. And it's cool that I don't know this game. I feel like has had such a rich legacy, like going for 11 years, but also has kind of, uh, it was maybe something of a pioneer as far as listening to the fans and admitting when they're wrong and being transparent. Like I, I think that's such a cool virtue for you know for video game companies. That's that was not a common thing back then, and now has become more of an industry standard. Yeah, thankfully. yeah. it's really cool. And I, yeah, I like what you said too about how it's kind of referred to as like the um, theme park among like the Final Fantasy series. Because from, you know, I've been watching videos basically whenever there's a new expansion, I'll watch a review of it um, just to see like what all is in it. And it is so fun to see when they basically get to revisit, you know, famous landmarks or or different, um, you know, playable races from previous games and kind of connect it all together into this other yeah. world. I think, yeah, I love the Final Fantasy way of doing things, which I feel like is usually just different like it pulls from a lot of the same inspiration as a lot of other role-playing games like um dungeons and dragons and and tolkien and stuff like that but like the final fantasy filter and just the stylized way that they depict a lot of these same inspirations comes across so differently and it can tell such dramatic stories and have such cool uh character designs and I don't know. It's just such a different approach versus just if you describe it on paper, like, you know, it's a fantasy themed um, massively multiplayer online game. That's like just reading those words. I would be like completely disinterested. Like I will never look this up. But then when they say it's Final Fantasy, I'm like, hang on. Wait a second. Like I remember being so excited about, you know, even Final Fantasy XI, which was their first um, MMO in the Final Fantasy series, just because it's like I would love to see how Final Fantasy interprets this. Like I've seen how they interpret a lot of single player games and how they took their inspirations and um, produced a Final Fantasy product um, using those inspirations and themes. But when it's an MMO, it has to be so much more open and allow for uh, a lot more stuff to happen, so to speak. Like because you can play. 14 basically like it's a single player game but a lot of people play it in this massively multiplayer way so you're not just designing a game for one person to play at a time but i mean it's kind of obvious by the genre of massively multiplayer but um it's just a whole different beast and it seems like they did a great job with translating that single player final fantasy experience into just a huge army of players can play at the same time um and it still kind of makes sense and it still feels like final fantasy it's so cool yeah for sure for sure um, yeah, so, um, with respect to the, I guess I'll explain for the audience, um, just in case, like, they haven't actually played, um, uh, 14 and just how it works. Yeah. Um, so, in a lot of MMOs, um, from what I have observed, the story is pretty much, like, a background thing, um, even if, like, you know, there's, like, an indication where, like, oh, yeah, this is the main quest that you need to do. Um, like, most of the emphasis on the MMO is, like, you, like, you know, creating your, uh, your character, you know, playing as these um, these classes where like the action or like the gameplay is supposed to be like the main appeal, um, or the aesthetics are supposed to be the main appeal. Um, but with fourteen, uh, what happens is um, you literally you cannot get away with uh, ignoring the story, um, and the reason being mm. is that um, you know not only do you get like most of your exp and like most of your um, you know your equipment um, from main story stuff that will like, you know, propel you to the next one. 
Um, but also there's a lot of, um, like, I think 90% of, I think 90% or more of the other content is locked behind the main story. So you have to do um, certain stages of the main story to be able to even access the other quest to unlock dungeons, unlock um, features, and so on. So um, so basically, uh, that may or may not be appealing to um, to like certain people, depending on the kind of person you are and what your preferences are when you're gaming. Um, but basically, uh, what that makes you do is like it really makes you um, immersed in the lore of the game, um, makes you immersed in like the characters, um, and they do a lot more of a better job with this um, in the later expansions. But um, it also helps your character get grounded in what's going on. Um, you're also able to, you know, give like witty responses to things too, uh, especially with the um, mm. later expansions and like really kind of get a feel for your character. Um, yeah, you're definitely going to be seeing your characters in these cutscenes a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> right. um, actually, I'm going to refer back to the um, the fifth anniversary graphic where um, actually just to show like how immersive this world is, um, as of, um, the fifth anniversary, um, they reported that their cutscene time is around 4,500 minutes total. Um, that is not the main story, by the way. That's just like all the sides, um, side quests, all the main quests, all the, you know, um, like the, basically in the entire content of the game. And that was like six years ago, right? Or is that f- maybe five years after, uh, A Realm Reborn? Um, but. Either way, that's still pretty old, like, you know, three to five years yeah. old. So there's got to be even oh, more. Oh, yeah. Um, like, this was before the release of Shadowbringers, too. Um, mm-hmm. And as of Stormblood, they were also reporting that um, the, in-game, the in-game text of the entire game is reportedly 43 times as much as the complete collection of Sherlock Holmes. Um, yeah, wow. so there is literally, you know, there, it's like they managed to make an entire world um, and elaborate on even the smallest things that you never thought you wanted to know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of labor. It's a massive labor of love, I would say. Right, right. And such a rich story and like so many, I don't know, you can almost express yourself by just what you want to learn about and how much of that text and how much of those cutscenes you want to explore um, kind of reflects your character and like what they'd be interested in or even just you as the player like you know I love this kind of quest I'm going to keep doing this kind of quest or I really like this type of character I'm going to do everything that they're doing Um, it's kind of cool that like there's so much content that even just choosing which of those you want to partake in is is like a form of self-expression I don't know It, it seems I get almost this vibe of like inclusion from just like some details about the series like not only can you customize your character a lot but like it's a cross-platform game so like if you're playing on playstation and your friend's playing on pc you can still be in the Mm -hmm. same party um there's a free trial you can get like characters up to level 60 without paying anything which i think is so cool and like thoughtful um and then kind of like you said there's there's the single player experience of getting all of this story and stuff but you can also play multiplayer with your friends it just feels like so ideal of like what um you know maybe as kids what we all dreamed video games could be like someday i feel like this really hits that really well um this starting to feel like a final fantasy 14 advertisement (laughs) but it seems like it really nailed so many things very very well after that initial like debacle of uh, the original 1.0.
So yeah, um, I guess with that glowing review of 14, <laughs> I guess we can build our own little world of like the theme park of 14. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I like most um, MMOs, kind of when you are first figuring out your character, you get to kind of choose what kind of race and what kind of class you want them to have. And uh, the races in 14... Are, are they most of them from Final Fantasy XI? Do you know? I'm not sure. That is a kind of a random question, but I think a lot of the races are um, were originally like seen in Final Fantasy XI. Um, yeah. So um, with the um, the base classes, I believe they do uh, reference XI's um, um, races. I have not actually played eleven because um, we just kind of, like my mother and I. We were looking at eleven and we we're just like, oh, it's a subscription type of thing. We got to keep paying, so we just kind of skipped over it. Um, yeah, sure. But um, I know for a fact that in eleven um, there was a uh, there was like a cat girl like race, which definitely carried over to fourteen. Um, I, th- I believe there was like an like an elven race as well, and um, the little uh, dwarven type too. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then the, um, the races that are introduced through the expansions, um, that being, um, in 14, um, the Alra, um, Viera, and, um, the Hrothgar, um, the Alra, um, is a race original to 14, um, and the Viera is, um, a reference to, uh, Final Fantasy twelve and the, um, the Tactics series, um, mm-hmm. Tactics Advanced, or were they in the original Tactics? Maybe they were, but I always loved the Tactics series and like the uh, kind of world of of Ivalice, um was such like one of my very favorite places, like locations in uh, Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Um, and then the Hrothgar. Um, so it's kind of a um, it's it's a reference to the Ronzo race from Final Fantasy X. Um, although they just decided to go with like a completely different name, and except they. Uh, still reference the name Ronso in a really roundabout way. It, it gets complicated, but either way, they're basically the Ronso from huh. the, from Final Fantasy X. Cool. So yeah, so you're able to kind of choose which of those characters, like the that kind of race that you're interested in portraying, and uh, yeah, the, what's the experience like? How is it different from each race, and is there a way to uh, that we want to express that within the park? Like, I know a lot of MMOs, you kind of start in a a specific starting area depending on which which race or which class you choose um yeah so um as far as um how you start um the game or like or rather which like area you start the game in um mm-hmm. so it really actually depends on which starting class you choose um so you can start in one of um three areas um that being um the port side city of limsa Liminza, and the forest city of gridania or the desert city of Ulta. Um, basically, the way that um, it pans out is pretty much the same. Uh, once you start the game, you get this cutscene where your character is um, staring at um, a bunch of meteor showers, like in a vision, and then they receive the blessing from the Mother Crystal Hydaelyn. Um, and then um, after they have that vision, they're just uh, kind of uh, riding in a um, like a chocobo carriage. And from here, as I understand, um, the cutscene is a little different depending on whether you are a completely new player or you are a legacy player from 1.0. Um, 
Hmm. Me not being a legacy player, um, I got the cutscene where um, the where my warrior flight was on the carriage, and then there's um, the twin NPCs, um, Alphano and Alize, who will play a very big role throughout the series. Um, but either way, that's pretty much how your character comes in. Um, and then you are prompted to go to the adventuring guild of that the respective um, city that you're coming into. Um, I think as far as the race, though, um, the race almost never really plays a, um, a role in your character's experience. Um, there might be a little bit of like a dialogue change depending on what, um, what race you are. Um, Mm -hmm. like, uh, for example, if you are, um, a, uh, if you're an aura, um, specifically if you're a, um, Zela Aura, like, um, just as a side note, each race has two different sub-races, um, then you get an entirely different, um, well, maybe not entirely different, you get a slightly different, um, dialogue from one of the NPCs when you get to, um, a, uh, the Azim Steps, which is the homeland of the Zela Aura, um, but other than just those, like, little flavor touches, the races don't really affect too much um how you play um i guess as far as um how things could translate in the park um i was thinking that um a lot of the workers could um dress up as um whatever um you know whatever uh kind of warrior of light they want to be potentially Mm -hmm. um I guess um, some of the workers may have to just, like, you know, dress up as, like, you know, merchants that you might see um, in certain areas. But I think some of them can get away with um, still, you know, having, like, a diversity of races regardless. Um, It would be a little interesting um, to see how, like, some people, like, portray the Hrothgar or um, the Viera, because I'm sure that might take a little bit more preparation to, you know, get into costume. Um... You know, with the Viera being, um, you know, they have, like, these massive um, bunny ears. Um, and then the Hrothgar basically literally having, like, a beast man's face. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. It would have to be some, like, next level cosplay type stuff. But I think it'd be so cool if, like, you know, just the the park employees kind of just look like mm-hmm. you. Like, you, your perception when you walk around the park is, like, these people are all representing different, you know, races and classes from from Final Fantasy 14 including me um but the you can kind of tell maybe there's different tiers of the quality of their like costuming and stuff like all the employees would look just completely like perfect like as if this was like a movie version of um like a live action movie version of of Final Fantasy yeah. 14 I think that'd be so cool and so immersive you know then even if the part guest isn't really like decked out completely perfectly at least there's some things that you get mm-hmm. to look at that really feel like you're actually in that yeah. world. I think that's so cool. Uh, yeah. So the different um, starting locations, like those three cities, I feel like those should be like kind of like mm-hmm. a land and maybe there's just entrances to the park in all three of those. So I don't know if this is, this just came to me, but maybe in the parking lot somewhere there's <laughs> like, there's like signage for like, you know, if you want to be in this kind of uh, player class, go to this entrance and park in this parking lot. If you want to be in that park, in that class, go park over there and you'll go through different entrances, um, which could be kind of good for like 
almost the onboarding mm -hmm. process or like the learning how things work um, because the depiction of the world and like your perception of it as someone in one of these classes would be different, right? If you're going into um, this experience being just kind of like a physical fighter, um, that might be different versus someone who's very much into magic and stuff. Like their, their description of what the world is about and their storytelling of, you know, welcoming part guests in would be a little would be themed differently based on what city they're in and kind of what uh, culture as far as like character class um, that they'll be using. I guess the only thing is like I guess I would be a little bit more cautious just because um, you know I think theme parks get a bunch of people who have absolutely no idea like what um, the uh, the park is about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Right. So I think it would be pretty fun to just have like these like parking lot areas that are named after the classes, but then not necessarily just be like, um, oh, if you want to be this class, then you go here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right, right. It would get kind of confusing if it's like there's a personality quiz where it's like, okay, if your answer is this one, go in the left lane. If your answer is that one, go in that lane. And then what if the people in the back seat disagree mm -hmm. with you and they want to be a different class? That could be a little yeah, bit Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I definitely agree with, um, the three areas pretty much like being like the one, like in one place, like in like a center area. Um, so yeah. I've had a lot of time to think about this just because, um, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, how do you put, like, how do you translate all this content and like potential future expansions of Final Fantasy fourteen into, you know, one singular area? And I guess, like, for my own purposes, um, I'm referencing some of the theme parks that I've gone to, um, namely uh, Universal Studios in Florida, um, Disney, uh, Disney World in Florida, and um, Lotte World in Seoul, Korea. Um, hmm. And I can get into the, um, the Lotte World stuff a little later, because I'm sure, like, not a lot of the people in the audience have ever been. Um Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exciting. Um, but um, I've kind of always, I've kind of figured that um, the Around Reborn area, the Around Reborn area should be the centerpiece of the park just because I like, um, I don't care if, you know, Heavensward was your favorite expansion. I don't care if like Shadowbringers was your favorite expansion. Everyone and their mothers have to go through Around Reborn if you want to get to the expansion. Cool. Just like on the video yeah. game. Yeah, that makes yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. of sense. Um, and um, I think uh, definitely the um, there should be decorations and themes like related to those three areas. Um, you know, as I mentioned with the, the sea, the desert, the forest. Um, and I know um, Universal Studios in particular did like a really good job of like transitioning from like these different biomes um with like their decorations and so like i guess i can kind of see a lot of the same thing for um the ram born area um mm -hmm. let's see i also um i guess i should have also um said this beforehand just in case um but as we kind of go through the Ram Reborn and then the subsequent expansions, um, you know, there could be potential spoilers that I might blurt out up until 5.4. So just 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 beware. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. And speaking of, they, this episode will be, I think, coming out in February 2021. And they're supposedly going to be announcing some news. Um, fans are assuming it's going to be a new expansion um, for Final Fantasy XIV this very month. So... 
kind of exciting, uh, timely type of stuff. I know you you just mentioned version 5.4, like there might be a 6.0 yeah. coming soon, so that's oh, kind yeah, of exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, um, So for the Realm Reborn, um, the general story is that um, you as the Warrior of Light are introduced to the three general city-states and the world of Eorzea as a whole, um, and you're also introduced to a lot of um, the politics um, of the cities, and you're also introduced to the um, the dangerous primals um, that show up as boss monsters um, in the game. Um, and a lot of Final Fantasy fans will recognize these primals as the um, the summon monsters that have been recurring throughout the series. Like, say, um, Ifrit, Shiva, um, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. Um, but at the same time, the story of A Realm Reborn is um, relatively simple compared to the um, the other expansions. So I think um, that kind of translates to maybe the attractions not being as uh, intense uh, in this area. Um, I know um, a lot of interesting... I know one interesting thing that I've um, taken away from um, going to Universal Studios is that they seem to have a lot of like... Uh, 3d 4d um rides where they have a lot of like um visual spectacle along with like the indoor rides i guess um so i can kind of imagine um a lot of like the realm reborn primals um having that kind of um or being that kind of a that kind of attraction i guess yeah yeah um that makes a lot of sense i like some of them too i've i've been on some experiences which are like almost like a 4D theater, but you have like a, um, some kind of interactive element, like where it's basically like you have a laser tag type thing and you're like shooting at stuff on the screen. We could do something almost like that where some combination of, of the things that your character uniquely mm-hmm. brings to that, um, the group that you're in can be like expressed through how you defeat that primal or something like that. Like whether it's an actual interactive thing or maybe, um, just the system knows what kind of class, like what kind of abilities each player in that little group has. And so then that's like what's shown in the sort of video part of it. You know, if if someone has a lot of red magic, for example, you can like see those types of abilities happen in that combat mm-hmm. experience. It could be kind of cool. Like instead of making it a full video game, you could still make it a fun uh, kind of action oriented 40 thing or like a VR roller coaster type of experience, but there's something that changes depending on who's writing it and who's experiencing it. Like, so they get to express themselves or see their character class and their race making progress in this, yeah. in that battle. Um, actually, it's kind of interesting that you um, bring up, you know, um, players and battles and stuff because um, in uh, 14, um, a lot of the instances they're divided in, uh, they are um, either four player instances uh, for like the dungeons and stuff um, and the easier um, trials and there's also eight player raids and then there's on uh, 24 player raids um, so it would be kind of interesting if like r- legit like eight people went in at a time for these sorts of things or 24 people at a time like went in for these things yeah, yeah that'd be so cool and some of them could be you know roller coaster style where you like sit in a chair and put a headset on but I also kind of like the idea of you getting to embody the character more like so maybe it's um, this is just 
kind of random idea, but if it's just like kind of a, a box that you stand in, like a room, you stand with your party of four people, you're all standing, you can see each other. No one's like buckled mm-hmm. into anything, but basically one of the walls is like a screen or no, actually let's make it a circular theater. So you're in a round room. So the enemies can kind of be all around you and you guys are just kind of like swinging your weapons or like um, kind of moving like, you know, basically like Wii controller type things around um, in the physical space. And those attacks are like being manifest um, as if it was like Fruit Ninja or something, like where you kind of basically are swiping on the screen and seeing an effect happen Mm -hmm. on the screen to that enemy. I think that could make it into like a fun kind of arcadey Nintendo Wii type (laughs) experience instead of just being a passive thing where I'm sitting in this chair and my character is doing all these cool things, but I'm just, you know, flailing my arms around and it doesn't do anything. Like, let's uh, let them flail their arms around and it will actually do something, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, and speaking of arcades, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've um, played uh, Final Fantasy VII, but in 14, the gold saucer is here. Oh, Um, cool. Yeah. And that could easily be turned into uh, like the bigger scale arcade area with all the mini games and prizes. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, wow, mm-hmm. that's a great idea. Um, we did a Final Fantasy X theme park um, with the guys from Ultima Final Fantasy, and we were originally thinking about doing Final Fantasy VII, and we were like pretty much hyper focused on the Golden Saucer. So I love that that <laughs> got to make make a debut here because we haven't got to Final Fantasy VII yet on this show, but it's probably going to happen because that's a pretty significant entry um, in the series. But yeah, I love that. The Golden Saucer as as a place where you can have a more traditional um, kind of arcade slash carnival kind of experience, um, maybe mixed in with a little bit of like Las Vegas-y type yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it feels a ton like a theme park. You know, if if you're saying that Final Fantasy fourteen is the theme park of Final Fantasy – it also features kind of the theme park from Final Fantasy yeah, exactly. within it. It's like, it's kind of a lot, but I mean, that's what people would be looking for mm-hmm. if they're seeing a theme park based on Final Fantasy. The Golden Saucer uh, is a pretty you know important staple of that. So that works out so well. I didn't even know it was in there. That's really cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Um, you know, some people, um, there's, there's definitely like a joke in the game where um, the glamour is the end game. Um, in which, like, basically what I'm referring to is, um, by the time you get to the end game, you're basically collecting, like, fashion items for your characters and taking a bunch of screenshots. Um, but I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, where, um, (laughs) I know uh, one camp of players, like, they will, in fact, go Glamour is the end game. Um, another camp of, um, players will go for the ultimate raids and, like, the savage raid, um, tier content, which is basically, like, the hardest, um, content in the game. Um, and then some people will go into crafting and gathering, which is the camp that I'm in. Um, cool. And then I know there's also some people who have, well, this might not necessarily be the end game per se. Um, but there's definitely been people who have gotten very much sidetracked at the gold saucer, um, (laughs) because they were trying to farm the gold saucer, um, currency for all the mounts that they want. Um, Mm. Yeah, or like, um, I know of um, some people who are really into Mahjong, and the the day that they added Mahjong into the Gold Saucer, it basically sealed their fate for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I, um, on uh, this, speaking of like games that kind of feature a bunch of other games within them, I, I, man, unfortunately, I forget if this was on Retronauts or... Um, 
oh god, uh, Talking Simpsons. But either way, one of those podcasts they were talking about, like, remember when Sega used to make like thirty video games a year, mm-hmm. and now they just make a Yakuza game that contains all the other thirty games inside <laughs> of it. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great point. And I guess that's kind of like same idea here with the Golden Saucer. It's like. Even if you don't like Final Fantasy XIV, there's fun little experiences and games in here for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could almost have a separate entrance at like a lower ticket cost where you just go to the Golden Saucer and there's nothing about the role-playing experience. Yeah. It's just like, this is just like a regular theme park, but it's just Final Fantasy's version of that mm-hmm. um, with a, a little arcade attractions and, and all of that stuff you get to kind of play around in. Um, and then the larger theme park itself is more about the role-playing and the storytelling and the immersion that that could be kind of fun. Like that could be a thing, you know, instead of going to uh, Dave and Buster's or something, you just go to the Golden Saucer. Like, I think that'd be so fun. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of um, elements from uh, Realm Reborn where um, I guess it can also be incorporated. So the first one being, um, this is not a part of the main story per se, but it does have to do with how they ended um, Service for 1.0 and transitioned to 2.0. Um mm. Where there is a um, a side quest, um, a raid series um, involving um, Bahamut, um, and basically what happens um, at the end of 1.0 is that the um, there is an artificial moon um, circling the planet uh, called uh, Dalamud, and it ends with um, the Empire successfully um, having the um, the artificial moon fall to Eorzea. Um, but what um, what actually happens is inside the artificial moon was um, the primal Bahamut inside, um, and he is obviously not happy about being imprisoned there for God knows how long. So when Dalamud um, descends, um, the dragon bursts out from um, from from the artificial moon, and wow. um, there's a couple of NPCs um, from. Uh, well, okay, actually, well, there's really only, like, one major NPC that really, like, fights against um, uh, the dragon. That being uh, Louisa, who is, um, by 2.0, a um, posthumous character. Um, but there's, like, this, like, um, massive CGI cutscene with um, him fighting Bahamut and, like, Bahamut basically just destroying the place. Um, and I think if there was, like, a roller coaster that kind of references how the cutscene plays out, that would be kind of interesting. And um, basically, uh, you can look this up on um, YouTube, but um, the sequence of events is that like um, Dalamud slash Bahamut falls um, and is just wreaking havoc all over the battlefield. Um, and then um, Louisa basically warps the, um, the Warriors of Light or the legacy players um, to the future where they will be safe. Um, and then after that, um, Louisa gains um, an immense amount of power from um, prayers um, for salvation, just ascends um, and pierces through uh, Bahamut and then fades away. And there's a huge explosion and everything just like falls back down to Eorzea. Um So... I guess I know that sounds like really complicated without actually seeing the visuals. Um, but I think um, even the rides kind of like referencing things like that could be another way of like uh, discreetly putting in content from Final Fantasy XIV that um, you might think you might not be able to like reference in some way. 
that sounds gorgeous though. Like such a cool cinematic thing. Like, I don't yeah. know if maybe that could be part of the entrance. Like here's kind of the story that happened before you got here almost. Like mm-hmm. it could be an introduction to the park in a way that also really captures your imagination and is like, this is what this world is capable of. And like, this is some of the craziest, um, you know, visuals that can draw people in and make them feel like, okay, I'm in this world now. I think that sounds like a super cool experience to to witness that and, um, you know, maybe make it a roller coaster where you're kind of flying around as like the point of view of the camera. Yeah. Um, you can do some really stylish stuff going, you know, to the moon and back down roller coaster wise too. Mm-hmm. So God, that sounds so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, whether it's actually possible from like an engineering standpoint, that's for the engineers to decide, not us. A hundred percent. Right. That's a different department. Yeah. <laughs> I did not um, go to law school for an engineering degree, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing I guess I can um, bring up for the Realm Reborn um, is uh, the Crystal Tower, which... Um, I'm not entirely sure whether this should be placed with the Realm Reborn area or with the Shadowbringers area. Um, and uh, basically uh, what happens in the Realm Reborn with respect to the Crystal Tower is that um, you this is, this is your first introduction to the 24-man Alliance uh, raid series, um, which also has a story of its own. And the Crystal Tower raid, um, like the stories that happen there... Um, plays a huge role in Shadowbringers to the point where after Shadowbringers was released um, the developers decided that the Crystal Tower raids in the Realm Reborn is mandatory for you to advance to Shadowbringers. Um, at the same time, I'm not entirely sure how the theme park would look if there were two Crystal Towers, like one with the Realm Reborn and one with um, Shadowbringers. Um, yeah. Um... So I guess it could go, um, well, I guess it could go either one of two ways. Um, one being there's just two crystal towers, just because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or the crystal tower is placed with the Shadowbringers area and, you know, um, the rest of the space is reserved for pretty much everything else. Um, Would it work to do like kind of treat the same visual the same tower as kind of two different experiences or two different depictions of it like one is from then you know if you're facing south and looking at it and the other one's if you're facing north and looking at it like would that work i know i've seen that like on lego sets and stuff where they'll be like okay this half of it is you can play with it this way if you turn it around you can play with it this other way i don't know if that might work as a solution maybe um <laughs> i'm not entirely sure just because the crystal tower itself is not uh, in my opinion, is not super distinct. Um, mm. But what is distinct is the surroundings of the Crystal Tower, I think, because um, cool. in Aram Reborn, um, the Crystal Tower is, um, like, the surroundings um, of the Crystal Tower is mostly kind of barren in comparison to um, how it looks like with Shadowbringers, where um, there's a town that's um, situated around the the, uh, the Crystal Tower. I guess also... Um, I guess I'll just like get to um, the details of like what exactly is going on with um, the two crystal towers and Shadowbringers um, later, but um, I guess we can cover like Heavensward and uh, Stormblood too. Yeah, and do you think each expansion should be its own physical area, or like do you revisit a lot of the same locations when you're in these? Like, unfortunately, I like I said, I haven't played any of these. <laughs> yeah, but, no, it's, it's okay. Um, 
I'm curious if you if you'd want to like have the same location you go back and revisit, um, or is it only like this this location is really only available during this expansion's uh, portion? Um, you know, like should we keep, should we treat it like totally accurately, or just kind of make it like, you know, eh, it's just a theme park, so you can go from this location to that location, even though you can't actually do that in the game. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but I mean, it, yeah, you're the the creative director here. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. Um. So. The, the cool thing about um, 14 is that you end up revisiting a lot of these places. Um, and the the continent, the, 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 um, the area of um, Eorzea, um, you know, aside from the three city-states that I've mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. actually also includes the city of Ishgard and the area um, Girabania. Um, and... When the game begins, um, Ishgard is um, not really associating itself with the other um, nearby city-states because the story there is that they are they have been engaged in a war with the dragons for about a thousand years now. Um, so they're just basically taking care of themselves. And um, Gear Abania, on the other hand, has been taken over by the Garlean Empire, which serves as a um, huge antagonistic force in the game. Um, so um, basically, I think theme park-wise, um, the immediately like outside of the Realm Reborn areas, um, it, I think the Heavensward areas and the um, and Gear Abania specifically um, should be easily accessible. Um, like, I, I say Girobania, like, specifically, just because it gets a little complicated in Stormblood. Um, but I think, um, those five city, like, the areas representing the five city-states should be, um, closer-knit. Um, so with respect to Stormblood, um, the reason why I have to clarify Girobania specifically is because Stormblood tries to, um, uh, fit in a huge span of geographical area, I should say, um, in that um, Stormblood is about um, liberating um, territories from the Garlean Empire, uh, one of them being Girobania and the other one being Doma. And Doma is um, effectively Fantasy Asia, um, and it is across the sea. It's in an entirely different continent. Um so I think Doma and the associated areas um, of the um, eastern continent of Othard that they're on, um, that could be a separate area um, that people could like take like a like a train to or like a boat or well train for the purposes of um, the park um, mm-hmm. and like the but boat. But in the game, it's a yeah in, yeah. in the in the game, it's like a boat or like you know teleportation. Um, uh, but yeah, so um, with Heavensward, um, the plot definitely picks up here, um, especially with the conflict with the dragons, as I mentioned. I think here um, the area could definitely benefit from um, some more intense um, attractions. Like, for example, um, there could easily be dragon-themed roller coasters that focus on the conflict between um, the Ishgardians and uh, the um the dragons and um another thing could even just be like you know simpler things like you know bumper cars like some of them are dragons and some of them are um like ishgard themed cars or something oh that sounds so cute yeah i love that <laughs> yeah because um you know i don't i don't want to just be like oh roller coasters roller coasters <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. That's kind of fun. I like that idea. It's definitely tricky to put in um, some of the expansions just because um, with each expansion uh, comes six different areas aside from the main city and one extra town from the main city that you can explore. Um, so in that sense, um, it's, you know, it's definitely something where you'd have to like cut, cut corners with. Um, but I think uh, once you get to the area that's clearly resembling Heavensward, a lot of the architecture could be more, um, could be like uh, medieval church-like um, referring to the um, the Ishgardian um, architecture. Um, Ishgard is also very cold, so there's a lot of snow. We could also do some of these as like seasonal things or like, you know, we could focus on a specific expansion each year or something in the theme park and kind of rotate it out. So, you know, different uh, kind of story takeovers of the park happen, you know, where we kind of switch out which, which enemies are there or spotlight different towns or maybe even rearrange certain parts of the the map like there can be kind of you know like at target how there's the seasonal department that's like different every quarter basically we could do Mm -hmm. something like that where it's like this town changes pretty often and like it can kind of represent different areas so that we give like the really hardcore fans the ability to eventually explore every single town but you just can't see it all at once because like otherwise we'd have to have like the world's biggest theme park you know we'd have to have like an infinite amount of space because there's so much content in this game. Like you're talking about with the cutscene um, length mm-hmm. all, to, all together and the amount of text. It's like there is so much to appreciate, even just about a fraction of that. Like, yeah. um, and so like fitting as much as we can in there would be a priority. But also knowing that it's like it's kind of special if you can't see it all, all at the same time and you have to come back, you know? Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, carry on. Oh, um, I guess uh, speaking of seasonal things, there's also um, various seasonal events um, that correspond to a lot of the holidays. So I think that's definitely something that people can, um, you know, anticipate or like come back for. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, because um, in game, like, you know, there's some um, things, there's celebrations for New Year's, Valentine's, Easter, um, and so on. Um, and um, in-game, people get like exclusive um, goodies from participating in those events. And the towns are all decorated to the brim with um, all sorts of like holiday decorations, too. Um, mm, I love that kind of stuff. The Stormblood like, aesthetics, um, aside, so there's um, the Fantasy Asia, like Doman aesthetics, um, which clearly can take a lot from... Um, you know, Eastern influences. Um, and then um, I guess I'll mention one thing for Girabania. Like, it, there's a lot of desert-like um, uh, environments there, too. So that can, like, easily... Like, maybe it can, like, easily, um, you know... Uh, there could be, like, a lot of, like, similarities between that and, like, the old uh, area, I suppose. Um, but I guess um, in the interest of time, I'll also get into um, Shadowbringers. Um I feel a little bad for not talking too much about Shadow or Stormblood, but um, Shadowbringers um, definitely deserves a lot of uh, explaining because it's not like the other expansions. Um, so I mentioned um, 
you know, whether there might have to be like two crystal towers or like um, there's a lot of complexity with that because Shadowbringers is kind of like you're going to an entirely different dimension. Um, so that's easily, um, you know, a different section of the park. Um, so basically what happens there is um, the Warrior of Light is summoned from uh, the world that they know to a different um, version of um, of the world that they know, basically. And um, effectively, the adventure that they have in the world of Shadowbringers will save that world and their own home world as well simultaneously. Um, and I mentioned the Crystal Tower being a major um, feature of Shadowbringers. So I imagine, you know, um, the Crystal Tower being being there. Um, and also it being a different world. Um, I can also imagine, you know, people uh, just like taking up like different costumes or like um, using like different vernacular um, for some of the same things uh, for like extra immersion, I suppose. Cool. Yeah. Um, like for example, like the races are dif- like uh, named a little differently there. Like for example, um, the the elf race, the Elizen, are referred to as just simply elves in the world of Shadowbringers, and then hmm. the Hrothgar, the reference to the Final Fantasy X um, Ronso, is in fact called Ronso in Shadowbringers. Ah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like it makes it feel like a living uh culture like i don't know it's just it's cool when things are just slightly different like that yeah um yeah where it's not everything's 100 percent consistent like where everything's been following the story bible and it's like this is the way it will always be it's like no this one's just different like there's something unusual going on here i think that's really cool yeah yeah yeah. it's like another world yeah mm-hmm. and then i guess like just a couple of more general things um so there's um this is like a little bit more cosmetic um but in game players have the option to summon minions uh which don't really do anything in battle it's just you know as i said cosmetic but they're basically like little pets that follow you around everywhere um as i understand there's hundreds of um of minions in game um so collecting them all is a very difficult task but um I guess like for here, I'm taking a little bit of inspiration off of um, how Nintendo World um, manages like their Pokemon um, plushies, but like there could be like a rotating selection of like minion plushies that can be on display. Um, yeah. You also had mentioned mounts earlier. I'm yeah. curious what your what the experience with mounts are. I know that chocobos are a big deal. Like we mentioned them kind of early on about like kind of a chocobo carriage, which are these like two legged giant bird creatures that are uh, a mainstay of Final Fantasy, but mm-hmm. what other what other mounts are available? Or do you think they should just be kind of customizing chocobos? Um, yeah, so um, there's also, yeah, like you say, like there's like a lot of like different mounts in the game and the chocobo. Um, so you get a chocobo um, like somewhere around like the beginning of the game, which you can name. And depending on what you feed it, you can change the color of its feathers. Um, you can also like uh, equip it with different warding. Um, so obviously we can't be selling actual chocobos or anything like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I think um, how that might be incorporated is um, maybe if there was like an option to buy like a like a chocobo like plushie or like a little 
action figure that comes in different colorways and then like also getting like the little bardings that you yourself might use that can fit onto the item in question um cool yeah and then it could they could appear in you know augmented reality or virtual reality that we use throughout the park like Mm -hmm. instead of just having your avatar stand on their own legs they could be on their chocobo and you could use the chocobo as like I don't know, just like, just because you bought like the little plush of it, maybe it unlocks some additional content, like mm-hmm. visually, cosmetically speaking. Kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're focused on the glamour type thing, it's kind of cool to mm-hmm. be able to unlock more stuff. You know, even if it's not that big of a deal, it's still a reason to do things. It's an incentive for a lot of people. one mode of transportation I was kind of thinking about um I know I mentioned boats I know I mentioned like trains um but like this is kind of this is where I kind of like referenced that one um park that I mentioned um Lotte World um, yeah yeah which is um so it's actually for the most part an indoor amusement park um in fact it's the largest indoor amusement park um in the world actually um and it was a huge part of my childhood as I, you know, as I went there a lot before um, moving to the United States. Um, but one of the things that they um, they did that I, which I thought was really cool and really unique um, and probably only possible because it was an indoor amusement park. Um, but when you get to the fourth floor of, um, of Lotte World, uh, there is a ride that you can get on where um, you can get on like this like a mechanical hot air balloon and... Like, the track is basically on the ceiling. So it's like the experience of um, riding on an air balloon and you're just kind of going around the amusement park. And Wow. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, and I was kind of thinking, if in the off chance, like, uh, it is possible to do, like, the Realm Reborn area, like, as an indoor amusement park, then that could be, like, a... There could be like a like an airship that goes around each of the three. Oh places. yes, yeah. <laughs> I love the airships from Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. and you could have dragons flying around up there too. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a great idea! Wow, I uh, that's genius. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be borrowing inspiration from that for a lot of theme parks. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot cooler when you see it in person. I think, um, you know, just like obviously, you know, not anytime soon because you know the pandemic but um yeah oh my gosh i would wholeheartedly recommend anybody to actually like you know if you ever go to korea if you go to ever go to seoul then check out lotte world <laughs> yeah that sounds amazing mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't want to take up too much of your time but are there like any certain parts of final fantasy 14 that you personally really love that you feel like we need to um make sure have a special place here in the theme park that we haven't got to um hmm well, I know what I personally love about 14, um, just as a game, is how friendly the community seems to be uh, compared to a lot of other MMOs. Like, um, mm. there's been plenty of games where I felt like um, the community was toxic one way or the other, um, which, you know, may or may not be influenced by um, the game's uh, design. Because, uh, you know, like, I've seen certain games where, like, people were just toxic just because they were just, you know, toxic. But I've also been in um mmos where i really liked it but then the way that the game is structured really encourages like a lot of competitive competitiveness and bad behavior 
Um, and for 14, it's like, um, you know, everyone is kind. Um, you know, if you're a new player, then like chances are like a lot of um, the veteran players will be able to help you out as long as you, you know, you make it clear that you're, uh, you're new, you need help. Um, so as far as like that translating to the park, like that's a little tricky. I guess like, you know, the staff could always, you know, just be like generally like super welcoming and. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they could be like kind of high level characters in a, a basic you know kind of starter area like just there to answer questions and help you with stuff and i think that's a, a really good idea just having your park employees are essentially just high level um players who are really friendly mm-hmm. and, like they're just getting paid to pretend to play the game basically yeah. <laughs> just like hang out in this area and be nice to people mm-hmm. like i would take that job <laughs> yeah 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 um I mean, I guess the reason why I say it's, like, a little difficult to translate is just because, you know, with, like, it's pretty much, you know, assumed that you would be nice to people, like, you know, outside of, yeah, um, in, in like, in general and, like, especially in the outside world. Um, so, like, I can't really say too much aside from, like, really just being, like, you know, make sure your employees are properly trained to help people to, like, diffuse any situations that might come up and so on. What a cool theme park. Like... This world of Final Fantasy fourteen is just so humongous. And, like, I think that we did a pretty good job of being able to kind of at least have some small representation of, like, most of the key areas and then building in room for, for expansions and kind of adjusting things over time and giving the players a lot of room, or I guess we should call them part guests here, but the the people involved to be able to explore and express themselves and kind of develop their character and go on a lot of little adventures doing what they want to do. Like I think the amount of freedom within this huge world is such a cool thing. And gosh, man, it would be so cool if they made this theme park. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yoshi P, if you're listening, please hire me. Please consider me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Hey, if people listening uh, really want to get into this world right now, there's a free trial. You can get up to level 60 um, for free. It's cross-platform, so yeah, look into it. Uh, But if the the person listening is really interested in you, Tori, where might they find more about you? Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, um, you can find me on Twitter, um, at hi, Miss Victoria, like all one word. Um, I also use the same handle for, uh, for Instagram. Um, and, um, yeah, those, yeah, those two are my main, um, social media platforms. And then you can also reach me at email through, um, Victoria C. Gion at gmail.com. Very cool. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show and bringing your expertise. Like, like I said, I've been following this over the years, but, um, you know, only investing like half an hour or less per year. Mm-hmm. I feel like your expertise really made this, <laughs> this episode possible. Um, cause I know kind of, I've been like window shopping, but you're like, you're kind of entrenched in it a little bit more. So like, I really appreciate your, your expertise and your passion really fueled this one. So thank, <laughs> thank you so you, much. That you. was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for all the really high compliments on, you know, both my art and just like my general love for this game. Um, you know, it's actually kind of interesting because um, I'm actually taking a break from it right now. But now, you know, after talking about it, I'm just like, maybe I should go back. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I've, after doing research for this this episode, I've pretty much convinced myself that I need to convince my wife to really get into Final Fantasy fourteen. Like she tends to get more deeply passionate about like a world and a like MMO, mm-hmm. whereas I'm kind of more like surface level. Like I kind of like to do little samples of different games. She's like more of a hardcore player. So I'm like, I feel like this world is so like fascinating and I would love to just walk in and watch her play once in a while. Um, whereas I think she would get really engrossed in it. Like, I don't know. This this wasn't a topic I planned on, but it's kind of interesting that you and your mom both kind of got into Final Fantasy. Like maybe there's something more um, accessible or more exciting about it than traditional fantasy. And it, I mean, it drew me in way more than any other kind of fantasy work. For some reason, there's just something special about Final Fantasy. I don't know what it is, but I really love mm-hmm. it and I want more of it. <laughs> I know for me personally, um, I guess um, I was just kind of like looking at it like, uh, you know, with my eight-year-old brain, like, wait, this is Final Fantasy X? Like, it's been going on for, like, so long? Like, what happened to, like, you know, one through nine? Like, <laughs> but, you know, right? if they were able to come up with ten, they must be doing something right, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. 